made some changes this morning, just trying to be considerate of everyone. Uh, Brother Allen had a family member test positive for coronavirus, and so we've had to adjust, make some changes, and so be praying for their family. And uh, so we're doing things a little differently today. Also, we are going to have Lord's Supper, and we're normally... Normally what we're doing is we have uh, unleavened bread that uh, some of the ladies make for us here at the church, and we pass it out, but obviously with our circumstances, we're not going to do that, and so hopefully you have this, and uh, if you are a, if you have believed on Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you're a guest, we want to welcome you to be a part of this, and so if you do not have one of these, if anyone needs one of these, you just raise your hand, I know we have some guys that'll, everyone has one, Okay. If you are not a follower, well, I don't want to say follower. If you have not believed on Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, please abstain from doing this. As we'll see in the text of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is a very special time for the church to remember uh, who Christ is and what he has done for us. And we'll, we'll get there just in a second, but I, I want to, before we get into God's word and and participate in the Lord's Supper. I want to just get some things, just some housekeeping things. Today is Sunday fun day. So today, or this evening at the Bluebell Aquatic Center from 5.30 to 7.30, it's family time. So we're going to have some kids get baptized tonight at the Bluebell Aquatic Center. And so if you want to be a part of that, just come on and uh, join in. And so it's, it's going to be a fun time for our church family. And, and you need to be there to witness these kids uh, growing in their faith in Christ. And also, uh, this win- um, not this Wednesday, this fall on Wednesday evenings, we're going to have our Financial Peace University, a nine-week study being presented. Uh, Stephen Holt and his wife, Lori, I think they're going to raise your hands. Over- they're going to be leading out with that. It'll begin at 6.30, and we'll have other activities on Wednesday evenings uh, for the family or children and student ministries as well. August the 7th, coming up, Youth Family Night. We're going to have some activities uh, be uh, food and fun time together. So put that on your calendar uh, to be a part of that. Also, I just want to uh, uh, mention that we have what we're calling Prayer Unplugged. Prayer Unplugged. Laura Figueroa, would you raise your hand? If you have any questions on Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock, right? Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock. I mean, no child care. It's, it's not a program. It's just come and just pray. Just cry out to the Lord together as a body of believers, and uh, the most important thing we can do as a church family is what? Pray. Pray. God called his church to prayer. Uh, Jesus said, my father's house shall be a house of what? Prayer. Amen. And then this coming Saturday, Mark Geist, otherwise known as Oz. Do we have the, uh, the ad? The movie 13 Hours, remember Benghazi? So Oz was there. He's an eyewitness up to the event that happened there, the battle where our embassy was attacked in Libya and uh, an ambassador, where our ambassador was murdered. And so uh, Oz was there. He was a part of that. He's in the movie. And so he's going to be here next Saturday, 1130 to 1. Men, bring your sons, uh, grandsons, brothers, friends, uh, this is short notice, okay? Uh, he's going to be here for another event that evening, Saturday evening, and, and so part of it was that he could he would come to our church and, and share with us. We'll have a meal uh, provided as best we can. Again, I've just asked the guys to, to jump in here. Women are great with details, right? Women are great with details. Guys, not so much. 
So guys, I need all hands on deck, so let's just take care of it. Jeremy Rosenbaum, he's helping out with that, I think, and some others, and just uh, I don't know how that's all going to come together. So again, short notice, don't give me a black eye if it doesn't go the way you think it should. We're just, we're just getting together doing it, okay? So he'll be here to uh, share his story, uh, former Navy SEAL, and uh, he'll be talking to the men regarding leadership and that all-in principle as guys. And so be a part. You know people in the community, we want to get the word out. It would be great if, as sharing with Rick Figueroa, uh, you know, he said, hey, if we run out of food, we run out of food. So be it. The spiritual food will be there. So put that on your calendar next Saturday at 1130. And so we'll go as long as we need to. Okay. Anything else? Church family, anything else we need to put out there? Am I forgetting anything else? A beautiful feat? Rob Moshak, he's had a beautiful feat. If you want to go on that trip, it's a ministry in Fort Worth where we uh, go and, and partner with a church there that ministers the homeless in Fort Worth. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, talk to Rob Moshak about that and, and, and get, just join in with that. Okay, I think we've covered it. We normally have a video, and so I'm horrible at this, but uh, video is great, but it just didn't work out today. Okay, so... Uh, I want to pray because we're getting ready to join in the Lord's Supper, and this is something that we do not. Many times, I don't think we, we get a hold of the magnitude of what we're doing, remembering our Lord's sacrifice, what he has done for us. And so, again, if you're a guest, I want to ask that you would uh, uh, feel free if you have asked Christ to forgive your sins, you've received him as Lord to join him with us. Okay. I want to read this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. And this is uh, where Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. They've abused the Lord's Supper. And so he brings them back to the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And so in verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim what? The Lord's death until he comes. And therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Because of their abuse of this, God disciplined. Look at the next verse, verse 30. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. God took some of them home because of their abuse of this time who this represents. And so, take you back, he says, this is my body and my blood. He did this for us. So he said, remember me. Remember the sacrifice. Remember the cross. Because the atoning work of Christ for the sins of the world took place. There where he substituted himself. He who had no sin, did not deserve to die, we who deserved it. He said, in your place, I go. So I want to pray and 
I know it's kind of a commercial thing. We're not used to this, but we'll make it through. Remember why we're doing this, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our time with you through the word. God, my heart is so stirred this morning. I'm so thankful and so excited about what you're doing in your church and through your church. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity that is before us as a church family. Lord, in these days and these times, we have an opportunity to shine bright for Christ in a dark world. So as we prepare for that, Lord, I pray that we would stop and examine our hearts. Lord, as David cried out, Lord, search me and try me. See if there's any hurtful way within my heart. Uh, Lord, uh, do that. Please show us any sin, any broken relationship, anything that's not right. Lord, help us to examine our hearts and Holy Spirit convict. Lord, we do not want to approach your table in an unworthy manner. So, Lord, thank you for your body and your blood. Thank you that you willingly suffered and died. You willingly endured the cross so that your sacrifice, as we, as we put our trust and confidence in you, Lord, you are able to forgive and cleanse and make us right with the Holy God. Lord, I have no way of imagining what you endured that day, not only physically. Lord, I know the weight of my shame. I know the weight of my guilt. And yet you took all of it, the sin of the world upon yourself. You cried out to the Father, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The terror, the break that you experienced from the Father because of our sin. Oh, may we understand. Oh, may we know the price that was paid. Thank you that your blood covers all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that uh, when the Father looks at us, he sees the blood of his Son. Oh, we love you. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask that you peel this back. Let's take the wafer. Instead of the crunch, we hear the peel. <laughs> Remember, this is his body that was given for us. Take and eat. Just peel back the, the next layer. Remember, this represents his blood that covers all of our sins. Take and drink. Amen. Following the Lord's Supper, the, the church would sing and praise the Lord. We're going to hold off to the end after our time in the Word. But let's, uh, I want to uh, ask if you would. As we're opening uh, our Bibles to chapter 12, the last two Sundays we've read the entire chapter. Today I want to focus on verse 9 through 21 and that we'll be reading. We'll, we'll remind ourselves of, of what Paul has already said in this chapter, but we do not stand for much these days. Honor has gone by the wayside. Many of our children, young people, young adults do not know what it means to honor someone or something so I'm going to ask just getting back and we've we've kind of we've been working through the coronavirus and live streaming and all of that so I'm going to ask if you would please stand in honor of God's word 
let us honor his word, for it's through his word that we have the opportunity to receive salvation. I'm going to begin in verse 9, following. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much again for this table. Coming to your table today, remembering your sacrifice for sin. Thank you for your incredible love for us. And as we walk through your word, Lord, I pray that you would show us any way that has stepped out of line. Lord, that you'll redirect that through your grace and mercy, you'll just show us uh, what we need to do to redirect. Holy Spirit, show us the way. I pray for the anointing of Christ today as we're walking through your word. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the love that you have shown to us. And may we understand just how great that love is, how great a salvation we have. And Lord, the great responsibility that you've given us to grow in our love for you and one another. We love you and thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I just want to remind you of a story that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago as we went into chapter 12. I, uh, in high school, I wrestled the 155 weight class, and I was not a great wrestler by no means. I just I loved the sport, but I remember one specific match, as I shared a couple of weeks ago. I was going to be wrestling the state champion for the 155 weight class. I knew he had more knowledge about wrestling. I knew he had more strength than me. He's a big dude, and he was strong. And so I went into this match thinking, okay, I'm not going to win. Got it. That's the attitude, horrible attitude. I just confess, horrible attitude. But I, but I said, even if he beats me, he's not pinning me. Remember that? He's not going to pin me to the mat. And so I went in with that kind of attitude. And, and as, you, as you know, as I shared, uh, he won, but he didn't pin me, but he won. So the reality of this is that attitude I had going into it, the reality was even though he didn't pin me, he still won, and I still lost. Remember I was referencing this to remind us, especially as we're going through Romans 12, we are to be engaged in this process of God transforming us. We're not to allow the world to, to press in its pattern, its way of thinking to the church and us as believers. We're not to submit to that way of thinking. And Paul is saying we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He said we're to submit ourselves 
as a living sacrifice. And as we engage in that process, he's going to show us the error of our way. The Holy Spirit is going to use his word to convict of sin and redirect us, if you will, in the path that we're to walk. But many of us approach our faith in Jesus Christ with this mindset. I love Jesus. I'm thankful for salvation. But when it comes to changing my life and transforming me, I will not get pinned down by God. I will not allow him to pin me down. What are we saying there? What are we saying? The word of God will show us when our character is not lining up with the character of Christ. Okay? And in that moment, there's an opportunity for conviction to set in. Now, I can submit to that and let God transform me and produce the character of Christ in me for the world to see on display in the church, or I can say, nope, not pinning me down. Not going to do it. And I referenced, as we walk through chapter 12, where verses 1, 2, and 3, Paul's saying, as a result of chapters 1 through 11, therefore, our only logical response to chapters 1 through 12, 11 is this, that I present myself as a living sacrifice. Remember, we, are, we were once dead in our sin, but now we're to be dead to sin. I'm no longer presenting my body for acts of unrighteousness. In other words, engaging in temptation and sin, but rather submitting myself to God, presenting myself to, so that he can demonstrate his righteous character through me in the middle of bad circumstances. So you might think of it this way, bad circumstances but good outcomes. Bad circumstances but good outcomes. He's using all of that to refine and shape my faith, the character of Christ on display. Okay, we're, we're tracking together there? Okay. So when we get to verses 9, last week we talked about the gifts, the body of Christ. In uh, verse 9 and following, we are going to see how we relate to each other. Out of this love that Christ has for us, he's given us and shown us, that does work in us and then through us. And this is how we're to love one another. This is how we're to relate to one another. And so what Paul does in verse 9, he starts out with something that is an, it's an imperative. So this has got to be front and center in your life or you're going to miss everything else. Okay. So what does he start with? Look at verse 9. What does he start with? He says, now he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Right away in these relationships, he references love. Now, what kind of love is he talking about? You have to define the love that he's mentioning here, or you're going to miss it. He's not talking about man's ability to love, the way we see love. Oftentimes, we are willing to love if we, we're going to get back what we want, right? That's the man's way of thinking. That's the world's way of thinking. I'll love you if you'll love me back in return. But when someone doesn't love us the way we want them to love us, a lot of times we, we check out, if we're going to be honest, right? That's not the love he's talking about. He's talking about agape love, which is 100% at the giver's expense. It is a love that chooses to love, regardless of how the person responds. So regardless of how you respond to me today, I choose, if I'm going to use godly love, agape love, I'm going to choose to love you regardless of how you respond, you may respond with love back in return, or you may revile me. You may persecute me. You may kick me in the shin, on and on and on. But I'm choosing to love you. Now, that's the love that God has shown us. 
right? And this is the kind of love he's going to ask us to engage in in these relationships. So if you don't like each other, okay, as we'll see, just be honest, we're going to choose to love each other, which means we're going to do some other things, all right? So let love be love without hypocrisy. What kind of love? Think of Romans 5, 8, Paul said, but God demonstrates his love, his own love, toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the picture. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Christ dies while we're yet sinners. In other words, we're still enemies of God. It's not like, and now this is the way we would probably approach this. It wasn't as if Jesus said, okay, now, I will give my life for you. I'll atone for your sins as long as we're in agreement that you're going to love me back. Are we good? Are we on the same team? Are we, I'll pay the price if you will agree to love. Did Jesus approach the cross that way? No, while we were enemies. We, our flesh wanted to have nothing to do with God. Our flesh, apart from the faith, uh, saving faith of Jesus Christ, will not move towards God, according to Scripture. We move towards that which we love, and so once the Holy Spirit begins working in us and convicting us and drawing us to Christ, we see our need for a Savior, and we respond to Christ. But while we were yet sinners, this is my point, enemy of God, Jesus says, I know, and I'm still dying. That's the level of obedience of Christ to the Father. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love moves to action. Love moves us to action. So we cannot say that we love God the Father and not love our brothers and sisters. So love should move. This kind of love will move us. And we, we know we move toward that which we love and and First uh, Timothy 1.5, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, the goal of our instruction, okay? Now, this is why we need to know God's Word. This is why we need to be students of God's Word and learn as much as we can about His revelation. Paul says the goal of our instruction is what? Love. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. How do I get a pure heart, and how do I have a good conscience and sincere faith? Through the Word. Responding through faith in Christ. My sins are atoned for, and God gives me the righteous character, His righteous character, through that forgiveness, through faith. And so, the goal, so I learn instruction. I learn His Word. Gives me the ability to know and understand who he is, what he has done. Paul says, you've got to know this because if you don't know this, you're not going to love the way you need to. Say, so our emotions run out of gas, right? We, we just run out of gas. Our feelings run out. And so, but what I know, what I believe, we've said it so many times, belief drives behavior. If I really believe this is true, you should be able to see it in my behavior. If I want to know what you believe, just watch what you do. And at some point, church, at some point, we've really got to ask ourselves, do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe that God is sovereign? Do I really believe he's working his plan? Do I really believe that he's got my life in his hands, that I'm in his grip? Do I really believe this? Then why the wringing of the hands and anxiety? 
Belief drives behavior. He's starting with love, because if you don't know this love, you're not going to be able to do the rest of the Scripture. Paul, I know I'm focusing on this love quite a bit, but we've got to understand this. Paul, in addressing the church of Corinth, very immature church, a lot of issues, a lot of factions and division. Some liked Paul's teaching and preaching, so they followed Paul. Some liked Apollos, so they said, I'm of Apollos. Some liked Cephas, Peter, and so I'm of Peter, and there were all these divisions and factions in the church. There, the, there were those at the church that were attacking Paul's apostleship, and so he's addressing this in the letter. And so he's in chapter 13, which many of us, have you heard this? This is the love chapter, chapter 13. It's almost like a commercial in God's word. And now for a word from on, on love, and we're going to set this in there. It's not the case. Paul is saying, if you have this and this and this, but don't have love, you got nothing. And then he goes on in chapter 13 to describe what love is, and this is the love that he has for the church at Corinth. So look just briefly at verses 1 through 3. He says, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, they've elevated the gift of tongues in the church. Paul, Paul spoke with more languages than any of them. And so he says, but if I have that but do not have love, I become what? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then in verse 2, he says, if I, if I have the gift of prophecy, and Paul had the gift of prophecy, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, what does he say? I am nothing. I am nothing. Verse 3, he says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, he says, it profits me, what? Nothing. Do you see what Paul's saying here? It is all driven through the love of God. And if I have this love of God, then out of that, knowing God's word, he's going to direct and move and I will move towards that which I love. If I really love God, where am I going to move? Towards God. If I really love you with the love that Christ has for me, where, where am I going to move? Who am I going to move toward? You. Move towards that which we love, which begs the question, if we're not moving together towards one another and doing life together, then do we really love each other? Okay, so it, it all starts with the love of God having his love in us and through us, knowing that love. He says, love without hypocrisy. So you got to stop for a moment and ask yourself, what does hypocrisy mean? Many of us, we, we, have you ever used the term hypocrite? Anybody? A few? Okay, yeah. You know what a hypocrite is? Yeah. Hypocrite, hypocrisy, it means to play the part. In the ancient days of theater, they would wear a mask, a painted mask, to represent the character. And so... Everyone could look at that mask and see what that character was supposed to be about, right? And so, but hypocrisy is this sin against truth. It's a sin against truth, a lie expressed with the external actions with the intention to deceive. So a hypocrite puts on a face to deceive others for who they really are. We don't want people many times to see the real me. So we wear what? A mask. Now, uh, is that what God wants us to do? Or we put on, we play the part. Uh, many of us come into a, a worship experience environment, and we really don't want people to see the real me. We really don't want to be transparent because if we're honest, if people see the real me, they may not like me, and I won't get to be a part. And so what takes a hit? Honesty. But I, I, have to, I have to go somewhere with this because there are those that say, you know, 
I've heard this many times throughout the years. I'm not going to be a part of the church because the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah. Okay, let's just settle that. The church is full of hypocrites. You could even amen that. All right. We'll settle. Okay. But there are hypocrites in the family. You got any hypocrites in your family? Uh, there are hypocrites in the workplace, right? There are hypocrites in our community. And there are hypocrites in the church. So there are people that wear a mask. They don't want you to see the real individual person. But when I look at a hypocrite in the family, do you leave the family? No, you're still part of the family. When there are hypocrites in, in the workplace, do you quit your job? No, you continue working. Are there are hypocrites in the community. Yeah. Do you sell your house and move to another community? No, because you know there's hypocrites there in that community too. You stay in the community. Uh, when there's hypocrites in the church, do you leave the church? No. You're baptized into the body of Christ. Why would you let hypocrites keep you from worshiping the Lord? And oh, by the way, since we have it all figured out and we're able to, to make that statement that there are hypocrites in the church, then why are you allowing hypocrites to keep you from worshiping? And why aren't you front and center being an example of what it means to be a real Christian? If we know so much, if we've got this thing down, why aren't we out in the forefront being an example? Because at some point, we need to realize that we're all hiding some things. Okay? So Paul says, let love be what? Without hypocrisy. Let it be sincere. Remember, God is all-knowing. He already sees it all. And oh, by the way, here's something else we need to understand. One day, we're going to give an account to this holy God, and we're going to stand alone, and it's going to be from the rooftops. There will be no hiding. No hiding. And so I, as hard as it may be, right here, right now, I need to start putting into practice this transparency. If he loves me the way that he does, if I really believe that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me, and he says to the church, he said to the disciples, the apostles, a new commandment I give you, that you love as I have loved you. The Lord is ratcheting this thing up so high. You know what the understanding is? Is that we're all going to fail at this kind of love. We need to get over ourselves. And we need to understand that this environment that we're in is a part of a transformation. He's doing a work in us. So why can't we all just put on humility the way Paul would say and say, you know what? I've got so much to learn, and I've got so much to grow through. Please, 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 let's be gracious to one another. I wonder what would happen if, if our church took that approach. Wow. Okay, let's keep going, though. Without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil. Evil never has any good intentions for anyone. Evil is always about destruction. And so the one who fervently loves should hate evil, should hate evil, and then he says, cling to what is good. Now, maybe not grammatically correct or the actual definition, but a great picture on cling to what is good. It's to be glued. That's the picture. We should be glued to what is good. And oh, by the way, good as defined by God, not us. 
not us. Good as defined by God. And so this is the picture of it all starts with love, sincere love. We're to move out in that. This love that we know we've received from God, we're to also allow that to be at work in our in the body of believers, then you move into verse 10. Because if you don't have this love, you're not going to be able to do verse 10, which is to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Which What is he saying? We're to have family love. It, it is in the family. Our faith in Christ, being in the body of Christ, no other group in the history of the world has had this kind of understanding or this kind of relationship. Uh, this is God the Father through his Son placing us into the body, his family, the family of God. Brothers and sisters. Now, I know this isn't always the case because uh, brothers and sisters don't always get along, right? Sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers, uh, girls. I'm going to say this again, and I'm probably going to get something back on this, but I'm just going to say it because it's true. It is true. Girls are mean. And boys are stupid. Girls are mean and boys are stupid. And sometimes through saving faith, the grace of God, we're able to do a little better. <laughs> okay? But I'm talking about the nature, the sinful nature of men and women. Women are great schemers. They're great at conniving and planning because they're so good with details. And I, I, my wife and I were house parents for uh, in New Mexico, and we had nine girls living with us for two years. And I have never, ever witnessed such scheming. And I have never witnessed girls planning months ahead on how they were going to get even with this girl. Okay? Guys, here's why I say guys are just stupid. Uh, we get mad at each other, and we punch each other in the nose, and then go, hey, man, you want to go throw football? And, and we don't see how girls are able to, to work us, right? Uh, and so, okay, I, don't take this too far, all right? I'm just saying, you see boys and girls growing up, you, you were there. I was there. So what's the point? We're family. And so if we're family and we have the love of Christ in us, we have to do life together and be able to over, work through those things, we have to. We're in the family of God. Families are, are to love one another and siblings and moms and dads and grandparents. And there should be a, a love within that family to where members of the family are willing to lay down their lives for their family members. Jesus talked about that. This is the kind of devotion we're to have for one another. Now, in today's church, in this room, do we have that kind of love? This body, Maybe for some people. But here's the great vehicle that we have to start learning this, our care groups. Our care groups. We, we talk about learning God's word, but where should it be modeled? And we come in here, and we, we're, still, we're not trusting of one another, if we be honest. We don't know each other intimately. So that care group is the opportunity for us to do life together, to get to a place where we are willing to trust, where we're willing to trust and willing to make ourselves vulnerable. Think about this. In that family environment, trust. We don't immediately. At time, we build that trust. And once I trust you, I'm often willing to make myself then vulnerable to the relationship, all the while knowing that we are going to mess up. We're still, we're still going to get it wrong. 
which means the next step for me is that I've got to be willing to forgive as I've been forgiven. Now think about it in the lens of what Paul's talking about here, transformation. We're to be transformed, the character of Christ built in us and through us so that it can be on display in the world we live in. So in our relationships as a church family, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, his love at work in us and through us, we're going to experience broken relationships. We're going to experience times where we get upset, angry, and just downright mad. And in those moments, we do not have the right to back up and just say, I'm done. I'm just done. No, you're not. You're still in the body of Christ. Whether you like it or not, you're in this family. Get over yourself. I need to get over myself. I have been purchased by the blood of Christ. I do not belong to myself. I belong to Christ. And I'm in his family and I'm in his body. And he says, you love this way. It's not negotiable. There is no plan B. Do you get that? This is the way for us as believers. And so when I'm not in line with this, I praise God for his grace and God just redirect me. This is why I said, you're going to get pinned whether you like it or not. He is stronger and he does know all things. You may not like it, but he's going to pin you down. But this devoted to one another, this kind of love that we're to have. So when I do miss it, man, you love me through. That's great stuff. I should never take the approach that, well, at this line, I'm just done. So he says, give preference to one another in honor. That means I'm not going to push you aside and run to the front. I'm not going to advance my own agenda. I'm not going to advance my name. I'm not going to advance my status. What I do? I honor you and respect you. And as a body of Christ, let's move together. I want your benefit to be in the forefront. God used me to bless them, honor them, respect. Then verse 11. Oh, man, please do not just glance at this verse. This is a great verse. In verse 11, he says, not lagging behind in diligence, okay? Fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Now, the end result is how we're serving the Lord, the attitude, our approach to serving the Lord. Hang on to that. So back up to the front of 11, verse 11, what do you see? Not lagging behind. Many of us look at that phrase as being lazy. Don't be lazy in serving the Lord. Uh, if you want a deeper understanding, it might mean don't, don't be reserved in serving the Lord because of weariness. We talked about weariness a few weeks ago. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Jesus going to the cross. He says, consider him, continue on. He says, and at verse 3, he said, lest you grow weary and what? Lose heart. This is a proactive measure so that you don't grow, rear, grow weary in serving the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You're running the race. Get rid of sin, everything that would slow you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus so you're ready to serve him. Wow. How? With diligence. Zeal. Zeal is a word for diligence there. So rather than being reserved and jumping in all in and serving the Lord, in other words, looking as if I'm lazy in regards to serving the Lord, just hesitating. I just don't know if I want to do that right now. I'm so exhausted. But rather serving him with zeal, diligence, urgency. I'm engaging in serving the Lord. Look at the next, in the middle of that verse. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit. The phrase there, fervent in spirit, would, be, would go like this literally. As to the spirit, boiling. As to the spirit, bowling. Now, when you look at that verse, 
you gotta, you got to ask yourself, how do I get to a place in my spirit that I'm boiling? Well, how do you turn up, how do you get water to boil? You heat it. You turn up the heat. What does Paul and Peter say? How does God turn up the heat in your life? Uh, persecution, tribulation. He's saying keep your eyes on Jesus. You're in the middle of, in the middle of bad circumstances. Good outcomes are coming. Good outcomes are coming. Turn up the heat. So if I'm in a place to where I'm reserved in serving the Lord, I'm, I'm being lazy and weary and just hesitating on serving him, yet I'm to serve with zeal, the, the phrase that Paul uses next is that in my spirit it needs to be brought to a bull. I've got to have my fire lit. And this, this is what God's saying, that through the word of God, here's where verses 1 through 3, he's talking about understanding and knowledge. As a result of chapters 1 through 11, you see clearly who Jesus is and what he has done. Therefore, my only logical response is to be a living sacrifice. I, can't, I have no other choice, God, but when I see how much you love me, I've got to run into serving you. I cannot hesitate. My zeal for the Lord is because I know how much he loves me. I know what he's done for me. I just can't help myself because I have a clear understanding of who God is and what he has done. I look back on my life in, in the 80s. Yeah, I'm getting up there. And I look back, I, the love that God has for us that he would save us. Check. Got that. That he would love me that much. But let's take it to another level. The 80s. I rebelled against God. I, w I was saved. I knew Christ. I knew more about the Bible than a lot of people in the church. As a young kid, grew up in the Word. But I rebelled against God because I was afraid of what God would ask me to do. I said, God, I'm not going there. I'm shy. I'm bashful. I was reserved. I was lazy in serving the Lord. Rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. God, I know. I know I'm in rebellion. I know I'm not living. Lord, I know. I know. I know. And God backed me in a corner. I had no other choice but say, God, I've had enough. I've come to the end of myself. God, when I realize how much you love me, when I realize not only have you saved me, but now you're being patient with me. You're being gentle. I knew I was in a place that if I continued the life that I was living, I was hurting people, I was hurting my family, I was hurting myself. I was in the wrong place, in a bad place. And I knew in this rebellion, God had every right to take my life from me and take me home. But he said, Tim, you know me. You know my love. He was patient with me. He was gentle and he showed me there in my ways. He said, Tim, come, I gotta work. I gotta work for you to do. And I realized, oh Lord, not just with salvation, but even with this transformation, you're so gracious and good and gentle with me. You're not giving me what I deserve. And as I got into God's word and understood this love that he had for me, there was only one thing that could come out of that. Zeal to serve the Lord. Zeal to serve the Lord. It came out of understanding this love. And so I got so enthusiastic, enthusiasm. I got so enthusiastic, had so much enthusiasm for my Lord as a result of knowing the word in him and who he is and what he's done for me. I even had to stop and study that word enthusiasm. You know, enthusiasm, enthusiastic, comes from a Latin word, enthus. Enthus. In God. In God. In the 1500s, 
It was a word that meant to be controlled by a God. I'm thinking, man, I'm enthusiastic about my faith in God. I, 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 looking at the scripture, I go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's word says that I am in Christ. I am in God. God's word says I'm to say no to sin and yes to the character of Christ. I'm to say no to that lifestyle and yes to Christ. And as a result of that and submitting to that, guess what? In Christ, in the body of Christ, having a gift, employing that gift, engaging in the relationship with others, guess what happens? Enthusiasm takes off. And then my fire gets built. And then that flame begins to grow and my spirit begins to boil. Let me tell you something. You can't have light without a fire. And Jesus said you are to be the light of the world. Christ in your spirit, in your soul, on fire. If your fire's not lit, then you really may not know how much God loves you. You may not understand the magnitude of your sin. You may not understand how great a salvation we've been given. And you may not understand what it is that God has done for us and what we're looking forward to. Many of us are walking into this relationship with Christ so blasé, so humdrum, that it makes me question, do we really know how great a salvation we have? If we do, that's why Paul says, therefore, verse 1, therefore is a huge word because of who he is and what he's done. There is no plan B. There's only one plan. All in. Man. And if you submit to that plan, you better look out. You better fasten your seatbelt. Because I'm telling you, Satan's hot after the church. I'm going to tell you, we're, we're so close to the return of Christ. The world is being positioned in such a way. The Antichrist could come on the scene in any day. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment, even now, as we're seated in this room. It's primed. It's ready. One world system, one world currency, the chip, knowing where you are at all times, and not only knowing your location, but also know everything about you with just scanning that chip globally. It's set. We need to know that, and we need to know the faith that God has given us. And so I need to continue on. This is our spirit to, to serve the Lord with zeal, rejoicing in hope. Uh, this hope, it's not for just hope things would get better. Our hope is in Christ and what is to come. My hope is I'm looking to the resurrection, right? I'm looking to the resurrection. We're all going to die, right? Everybody, did everybody know that? Did you, everybody knows we're going to die. At some point. And if I really believe God's word to be true, and I'm looking for the resurrection, okay? I'm looking for the resurrection to come. God's got me. I'm in his grip. He's got a plan for us and for his church, and he's working that plan. If I really believe that, then, then what do I have to worry about on this side of heaven? Why am I worried about my body? Why am I? Yes, I want to be healthy so that I might steward this life for the glory of Christ and advance his kingdom. Yes, I need to be smart, wise, and diligent in how I maintain this body in my life. But as far as the anxiety, have you ever seen the levels of anxiety in our, in our nation like this? It's never been like this before. We are so worried. We're so consumed with self and protecting self and, and, and looking at our agenda. But if I really believe this stuff, my hope is in Christ 
It should lead me to one place. What is that place? Rejoicing. Rejoicing, this hope lifts me above the circumstance, bad circumstances, good outcomes. It, this hope, and it leads me to above, lifts me above my circumstance, keeps my eyes on Jesus Christ, and say, no, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. And so much so that it enables me to persevere in tribulation. Another translation would say patient. It is not simply a passive waiting as we go through persecution. What he is saying, it's an active endurance. It's an active endurance. I'm not just passive in this tribulation. I'm, I'm persevering. I'm, I'm enduring actively. And so how can I be actively enduring? I'm in God's word. I'm praying. I'm fellowshipping with other believers. I'm engaged in the relationship, and we are going after it together. Faith in the kingdom. There's a lot involved there. So I'm persevering, allowing the character of Christ to be formed in me in the middle of this. And so, Paul would say, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. That should be ongoing for us. Prayer is vitally important. Prayer, when we, when we need to be redirected, here's what prayer does. When I know God's word and I enter into a time of prayer, prayer, as I spend time submitting to the Lord, prayer gets me off, get the focus off of me, what I want, and then moves me back under the will of God, and lifts me up. That's the picture. Uh, when I pray, I've often elevated myself. As I begin praying, and I'm praying God's word, and I'm meditating on God's word, here's what prayer does. It lowers my ego, brings me down to the right place, and then it gets my focus back onto the will of God. It moves, aligns me with his will, and then the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, lifts my soul and spirit to where I don't want to leave there. I don't want to leave that place. For the sake of going along with this, have you ever been in a prayer time where God, in that process, God breaks you down? I mean, you're just, just face-planted on the floor, and you're so broken over your sin. You're so broken on this, over this world. You're so broken over people. And you're so broken over the mess that we find ourselves in. And you're crying out to a holy God for mercy and grace. And you're just sobbing before the Lord. And your heart is just broken and contrite, which, by the way, is the heart the Lord's looking for. He goes to and fro about the earth looking for that broken, contrite heart because that's the heart he can work with. God gets you in that place. You're snot-nosed. You've been crying, man. He's just blowing. But yet it's so good that you don't even want to get up. You start to get up. and go, I'll go right back down. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this place. Because the Spirit of God is at work and wrestling and pinning you down. As Rick and I were talking earlier, I've shared with some other people who have since passed or in heaven now, is God enough? Is God enough for you? You come to that place of prayer in this relationship. God pins you down. He takes you to this place to where your soul is exposed, transparent, no hypocrisy. It's sincere. God, you see me for who I am, and yet you still love me. You still love me. Oh, God, I don't want to leave this place. This is beautiful in the presence. There's no other place like it. You feel whole 
and complete, reconciled with him. He's my child. I see your hurt. I see your pain. I see your suffering. I've experienced all of that. I went before you. I took all of that upon myself on the cross. Oh, now I'm gaining understanding. Now I'm beginning to see clearly, Lord, what you meant. Fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Devoted to prayer. That's ongoing activity. I think we need to stop right there. It's quite a bit for today. Because when we look at the love that Christ has for us, and he says, this is the kind of love I want in my family. This is the kind of love that I want on display. It's going to take transformation. Your flesh is not going to want to be going there. But you've got to submit yourself, present yourself as a living sacrifice, and allow this love. As you understand, God would say, as you understand who I am and what I've done for you, that love should grow. And it should produce a zeal in us where we're not wanting to retreat. But we're ready to forge ahead and love in that way. And be devoted to one another, allowing trust and vulnerability to grow. And when we do fail one another, we're quick to forgive as we've been forgiven. Growing that devotion and allowing the zeal of the Lord, the fire of the Lord, fire of the Lord to bring our spirit to boiling. We're, we're so excited. We're so thankful. Oh, God, oh, don't, don't, don't hold me back. I want to jump in and serve you. That is what he's wanting to produce so that while you're going through tribulation, Bad circumstances, great outcomes. Good outcomes, great outcomes, however you want to say it. He has for us. All right. I want to ask us if we would stand. And uh, I'll, I'll pray here in a moment, but this time the song, there's some of us that aren't loving in this way. There's some of us that are, we're loving based on how people respond to us. We're not choosing to love. And by the way, and I have permission from my wife, um, years ago in ministry, working with at-risk teens, she and I loved each other, but just to be transparent, we did not like each other. We did not like each other. We were tired, we were weary, we were exhausted, and we were not all in. We were holding back in different areas of our lives, and God brought us to this place of being all in, 100% surrender. And it's as if God just ignited our relationship. Some of us here today are in relationships, and you don't like each other. You may love each other, but you don't like each other. And God wants to work through that. And the only way we can do that is to understand his love for us and the love that we're to have for each other. And it should move us to love in that way. And so some of us need to... Just examine our hearts. Say, God, my heart's not in the right place. I'm not wanting to love that way. And the Holy Spirit is using His Word today to convict us and redirect. And there's some of us that, as singles, we've got some singles here today, some people that aren't married. And, and God, God wants to move out in your life. And like Paul, he said, I wish that some of you, he said, I would that some of you had the gift that I have. 100% devotion to Christ. I'm not, my interests aren't divided with a spouse. Some of you are here today, and maybe you're single, and you've been thinking about finding that right person. Instead of saying, God, I just want to be all in, whatever you have for me. I want to serve you passionately. I want to understand the depth 
of my sin and the depth and the magnitude of the price you paid that I might have forgiveness and walk into that relationship all in. Some of us are in relationships today where we may even have anger, bitterness, and hostility towards a brother or sister. And you know that's not right. And you're maybe waiting for that person to come to you instead of you just acknowledging, as Jesus said, leaving your gift at the altar and go and reconciling and making it right. Some of us are at odds with one another. Some of us have elevated ourselves. Some of us are arrogant. Our egos are through the roof. And we're thinking, man, if they only knew what I knew, if they only did what I did, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's level the playing field. Christ died for all. Christ died for all. We all deserve punishment. We've all been guilty, but Christ came to forgive. So may we walk through that forgiveness. Let's get right with God and then get right with each other. And So the altar's open. And because of what we're going through with coronavirus, I'm going to step out. I'm going to pray and I'm going to step out. And um, Brian Seamsclus is going to close the service after this song. But pray where you are. Let the Lord search your heart. Come to the altar if you need to. Pray. And let's just get right with the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, you have shown us great love.